A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at UH1.com. So I was in the shower, I was cleaning my ass and making all shirts all sparkly, spanking clean. I'm not the funny one, I'm the pretty one. Cock shots. <laughs> I just checked myself out. Music, wine. The glory holds like a, a like dick theater of magic your pants. Which means your pants had better come off. Mama needs playtime. We're not sluts. We just love love. Hello, hello, hello. Welcome back to another week of By the By. We're back. Yes. Everybody missed us. Uh-huh. Yeah. It's been a whole week. Yeah, it's been a whole yeah. week. Um, I'm really excited for tonight. I am too. We have bunches of special guests. Yes, we do. Two. Two. Two is bunches. <laughs> Two hey, is now bunches. We have. We also have somebody who's podcast cherry. We are popping hard. We do. Yeah. So first we'll introduce Leo as, you know, Look, I, I want to make it very clear. The gentleman is still around, um, but the Leo is uh, is is the available guy. And, uh, <laughs> you know, sorry, the gentleman. And also the amount of responses we have gotten over Leo's voice. Oh, my God. Like people are dripping to hear your voice. Yeah. Yeah. Say hi, Leo. Hi. <laughs> <laughs> I think what people like about you is how much you talk. Um <laughs> And then we have a special guest of the podcast, and it's going to make much more sense once you hear who it is, what we're talking about. We have director Chris Elena. Good evening. <laughs> <laughs> um, yes. So first of all, I'm just going to say I'm a big fan of Chris's work. Uh, he is a very talented director. He is in multiple uh, film festivals. Thank you. Don't thank me. Thank yourself. You're the one that did the work to get you into that festival. <laughs> oh, yeah. um, but tell us, Chris, so like, the movie that, that I've seen of yours is yes. Audio Guide. Mm-hmm. So tell us a bit more about your work yep. and you know, why, you're, you know, why you're an expert in the directorial mm-hmm. podcasting field. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I am not an expert. I'm still learning. <laughs> this, this, the jig will be up soon. They'll work it out. Um, so, yeah, I I make movies. I, I usually produce them because I'm just doing it myself and then uh, jump in to direct them. I sometimes write them. The latest one, Audio Guide, is a short film about a woman in an art gallery who is listening to an audio guide and she's using it to pick up the information on the artworks around her and then she starts and then it starts picking up the people that walk past her, the ob- the objects in the room that aren't the artworks and giving her a history of that said personal thing and then it extends to hearing about how everyone in that room and in the universe lives and dies and it's pretty much her working up towards putting the device to herself. Um, and it's doing quite well. Uh, I'm surprised. Well, it's yeah, it's well. doing quite well. Yeah. yeah how many, bit. how many festivals? 14. Wow. <laughs> oh, I'm not even sure I could name five festivals. I, I could name about six before this movie and now I can name 14. 14. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> um, so yeah, it's playing in Canada in November. We're doing Holly Shorts, which is online. 
um, in November as well. We just finished it uh, via Nightstream, which was Brooklyn Horror Film Festival in North Bend, which is where the town of Twin Peaks, the show Twin oh, Peaks yeah. was set. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go, what's your favourite episode of Twin Peaks? And I'm like... I uh, haven't seen the Twin Peaks. Please don't take our film off. Please, I beg you. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's been very surprising. But, yeah, and one thing that uh, I didn't go to film school, so I left film school after two hours um, because they mocked one of my favourite movies and I pretty much said burn in hell. Um, I was very nice about it. Uh, no, they were. I went there. It was an orientation day. It's a small story. Apologise for that. Um, basically, I went there and they said – to the class, the lecturer didn't even say hello. He goes, name a film that inspired you or taught you how to make films. A lot of answers were The Godfather, Seven, Fight Club, a couple said The Dark Knight. They're all good movies. They're fine. But I didn't say that. I said uh, Smoke and Aces. And this dude with a Where's Wally scarf in the front row gets up and goes, go on, explain that one. And I said that it's an action movie that taught me about editing, color grading, blocking, performance. It taught me the technical aspects, which is I wouldn't get normally from a story. Um, and I said, tell me what the bag in American Beauty meant. And he got really pissed off. And then the lecturer said, you can do better than that. Pick a, pick a good film. And I said, how's Crank 2? And then he got annoyed. <laughs> he got annoyed. And I'm like, I'm leaving this. I can't do this. So I left and I met up with my current cinematographer and we just went out there and started making films. So I, I will interrupt here because uh, Chris is, I mean, look, um, I I remember when you and I first met and yep. we of course started talking movies because yep. that, that is your love language. Mm-hmm. And I didn't understand a lot of your favorite films. Um, <laughs> yes. Like what is your all time favorite film? The Master. Okay, now you're just, see, you're trying to be cool on a podcast. What's the one that you kept talking about and you made us watch? All of us. All of us. Magic Mike XXL. Magic. Oh, no, that's one of my favorites because it's a perfect film. It's a masterpiece. <laughs> this is me speaking objectively. Um, I, you have to with films. You have to be objective sometimes and it's perfect. The end. Um, so, oh. so, and then... You know, you get this picture in your mind of the kind of pictures that somebody who forces you to watch mm-hmm. Magic Mike XXL. Yep. And then we saw your film on the big screen. And I got to be honest, I was ready to be polite. <laughs> <laughs> and then I still remember looking over at Angela after the film and going, oh, my God, that was actually really good. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's a thing with... That's the best thing about having film tastes like I do. It's a couple of things, just quickly. One is everyone often watches the same great films. Therefore, they tell the same stories and they have the same influences and the same approaches. And I'm like, no, go somewhere else. Go to another well. So you go to the films that aim for the sky and fall flat. And you're like, what? And then I'm, I learn a lot more from those than I do the great films. And I start falling in love with those films because I love the decisions they make and there's more to be had when making stuff when you go to films that most people don't like or don't but that's i just love them anyway fair enough yeah yeah, that's one um and two when i'm making a movie i don't pick up all the bad decisions i try and make the real i make the really good or try and make the really good ones um so if i see a film that falls flat i'm gonna i'm gonna fall flat too that's gonna be really good i'm gonna make a failure of a film i can't wait no 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 i just love to learn from them and then try and do something different with it. That's all. Is so. it that you really like a film where you can see the film making, the craft in the film? Um, or is it the story? It's both. It's, both. Uh, I, it's the marriage between the two and watching that. Because I can 
I can recall several films you've recommended I watch mm-hmm. to get a sense of you as a filmmaker over the last little while. And oh, oh. some of them have been, wow. And others have been like, what the fuck? <laughs> Thank you. They're my two Magnolia, favorite categories. by the way, falls into the what the fuck. Yay! Which one? Magnolia. Magnolia. Oh, God, that film is fucking terrible. Hell. Your favorite film. It Bradford. is terrible. Oh, it's wonderful. I was so sick. And asked for a, a list of films to watch after from Chris, and was like, yeah. "Hey, why don't you like? I've got all this time because I can't move. Um, it was only a flu type thing. The excitement bad. that I had in hearing this, I can't move. <laughs> well, Magnolia was three hours and eight minutes. I was dancing in the aisles when I heard that. I'm like, oh, oh man. yeah, no, that's fine. I can't get those three hours back. Oh fuck, it's true. It's true. It's, it's uh, not that bad. It's a monster it, of it's, a film. Yeah, night. One that you want to die. So what I'm learning from all of this is that Chris takes all the good elements Mm -hmm. in all the bad movies and puts them together into a good movie. Hey, I will say he's... That's kind of... Yeah, that's kind of it. (laughs) I didn't see my... Can I say spoilers for Magnolia? I didn't watch Magnolia and go, my film needs more raining frogs. Yep, that's it. (laughs) That was the only part I liked. (laughs) I know, I know you. That's... Well, you get one criticism of audio guide, not enough raining frogs, that's which right. says about a lot of films. Uh, but no, that's exactly it. <laughs> Take the things that work in that and look around at the things that aren't working and go, no, I can see it now. I can see why that decision's perfect. And if I use it here or try it in this scenario and I make the, the stuff around it better, mm. I've got a movie. Like, So it's kind of like learning. I'm learning when I'm watching a film like Magnolia. That's an that's an exercise in filmmaking. Yeah, but then I, I put that suggestion next to something like Moonlight. Mm-hmm. And they're polar opposites. Yeah, they're polar opposites. Right, so filmmaking, craft, yeah. storytelling. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I mean, I love that. That, yeah. that was a total eye-opener for me as far as filmmaking. Yep. Um, but it sits so uneasily next to Magnolia. Yeah. It's great. <laughs> you need that contrast. You need it. Yeah. No, it's great. I love it. I love it. So then I guess oh, folks out there would be like, why is Chris on the podcast? Yeah. Mm. Other than to listen to his... Interesting movie taste. We're just going, (laughs) this podcast is going in a different direction. Um, So, Angela, do you want to answer that question? So, Chris is on the podcast because he is the director of Refused Classification. And co-writer. And co-writer, yes. So, he's basically the inspiration for for the film. And that's the film that we were recently raising money for. And that's going to be the fun one that we're going to be making later this year, probably in the next few months, it sounds like. It's coming up soon. Yes. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be really good to kind of get out there and get shown and, and for people to kind of see what they've put their money to because we do have a number of listeners and supporters who have helped to fund this film. Yes, and, and we very much appreciate it. Thank you so much. Yeah. yeah just jump and say that. Yes, yes. Absolutely. So, yeah, so that's why we have Chris on this because he's going to be yeah. directing. He co-wrote the film and, yeah, very much a big part of it. Definitely the inspiration. So we're, uh, well, at least the inspiration from my point of view, but then you say that we're the inspiration. So I don't know, whatever. We're all inspiring. Let's yeah. go with that. We're all the meaning of my film. <laughs> You're the inspiration. Chicago said no to our film, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> but the Chicago Film Festival might say yes. He is hoping. <laughs> yeah. Totally going to sing the entire time. If I know, I'm so scared. Uh, <laughs> so we wanted, because of all the folks who listen to the podcast, uh, who donated to this film, Refused Classification, we wanted to get Chris in and have him suggest a film that uh, we all watch together mm-hmm. and then podcast about it. And this was something that was made, it made me very nervous because we've talked about, you know, Chris likes Moonlight, art, Mm-hmm. And Magnolia. Art. 
<laughs> art, but yeah, but like that that there's lady who really, poops in a box. <laughs> there's also really shitty art out there. Yeah, unfortunately. Just because it's art doesn't mean it's good. Like a duct Point. tape banana on a wall. Like masterpiece. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> uh, so he suggested we watch Professor Marston and the Wonder Women, which was released in 2017. So mm-hmm. it's a few years old now. Yeah. It is a film that not many people have heard about. Uh, it did not get a big, huge release uh, that summer, but it's actually pretty fucking amazing. Yes. And I'm, I'm going to cheat and look here to see. So it stars Luke Evans, Rebecca Hall, Bella Heathcote, and Connie Britton. Yes. And if you don't know who any of those people are, I don't know who a lot of them are, but Luke Evans played Gaston in the live action uh, Beauty and the Beast. And I'm assuming that most people like me only watch musicals. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Who is Gaston? Who is Gastro? <laughs> I've not heard of this man. Oh, okay. no one pukes like Gastro. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> Leo, stop crying. <laughs> so yes, uh and before we go into a deep dive mm-hmm. or even a shallow dive, mm-hmm. let's get a quick word from our sponsors, who we love very much, and we want you to hear them. Our friends over at altplayground.net are all about inclusivity in the lifestyle. That's why they offer nine different gender identities, nine relationship statuses, and 13 sexual orientations. APG's mission is to provide a fun and inclusive environment for all non-monogamous and sexually open people, no matter how you self-identify. Go check them out. It's altplayground.net. And when you're there, look for us. By the bye. Thanks. So, now before we do a deep, deep dive, mm-hmm. let's go around the table here and everybody just give me like a, a quick, like, what did you think of the film? For Angela and I, it was the second time watching it. Leo, I think this was your first time. It was. Chris, this was probably what, 5,000? Uh, fifth. Fifth. Okay, cool. Yeah. Cool. So, let's start with the, the Virgin. How long ago has it been since you've heard that? I'm not going to tell you. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe the question should be what kind of virgin. Touche. It's changed. Still got cherries to pop. Mm -hmm. Because Chris was a virgin until tonight on podcasts. No, on everything. Thank you so much, Bradford. You show me the light. (laughs) (laughs) I have a cherry to pop with Leo. Whoa. We'll discuss this later. I still feel like I've got lots of cherries to pop. Okay, sure. Yeah. We can, yeah. Oh All right, we're going to help with these. <laughs> Chris's eyes just got really huge. He's like, we're not talking about the movies. <laughs> Five minutes out of what movie? You, you have met Bradford and Angela, right? This is a virtual cherry tree of a place. Pretty much. Oh, my. <laughs> oh, dear. Oh, my God. And I do love my cherries. Oh. You think you're prepared and then you're not. <laughs> you never will be, by the by. <laughs> Sorry, that, I want that as a ringtone. Okay. You're never prepared for by the by. Ooh, I got a text. Ooh, it's just my boss. <laughs> <laughs> Nobody expects this. Oh, dear. <clears throat> I got so excited, my iPad started talking to me. <laughs> okay, Leo, what was your opinion? I really enjoyed it. Um, I had pretty high expectations because Chris has been talking this film up for a little while. Yeah, but Magnolia. <laughs> Yeah, I have to keep remembering. 
Um, I'll, I'll help you. <laughs> you know, like half of our listeners are like, you know what, Magnolia is actually a really good film. You're yeah, not giving well, it half a chance. Thank you, listeners. <laughs> help. <laughs> yeah, well, at least this one didn't have Tom Cruise in it. Amen. All right. Uh, no, I did enjoy it. I thought, I thought, man, I think it's just a little shallow. There were, I, there were some parts of it I just wanted to dive into more and I wanted to hear more, but it was overall, I think it was slightly shallow, but a very enjoyable film. Anyone out there who is interested in polyamory or wants to see polyamory in a film, particularly in a a period film, because it technically is, uh, this would be a good one to start with. Probably the only one to start with. <laughs> so, like, where else are they going to start, buddy? <laughs> but yeah. Um, and and Chris, uh, it needed more raining frogs and Tom Cruise, just personally. <laughs> and I wish they danced on tables like in that beautiful motion picture, Magic My XXL. No, I think it's one of my <laughs> it's one of my favorite movies of the last decade. That's my one yeah. word summary. Yeah, I'll, I'll go into more. But yeah. no, 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 fair enough. Yeah, Angela. So I really enjoyed it. I think cinematically it was absolutely beautiful. It was a beautiful film to watch. And, yeah, and so there were a lot of things, and we'll dive into some of the specifics later, or shortly, I guess. Uh, but I think like to watch it, it just it was really captivating and really holds your interest just from how beautiful it is and how well that's done. Uh, from a story, I think it's really interesting because it does show some polyamorous and bisexual connotations that were not commonly seen at that time and so it, it does kind of show that yes this kind of thing could have existed probably i mean i'm sure it did it, but why would it exist now when it didn't exist then right. but it really kind of brings it to light and so you get to see a bit of that and you get to also see a bit of how wonder woman was created is it a perfect film no but that's that's okay it's, i think it still very much helps to bring the story to the forefront and helps to put the spotlight at least a little bit where it should be yeah, I, I'm, I'm going to reiterate what everybody said. Um, upon my second watch, I did notice a lot more on the cinematography side. Mm. I think it's a very pretty film. Uh, I think the costume design is fucking brilliant and the lighting is mm. so pretty. Um, all in all, yes, definitely four stars uh, needed more Raining Frogs. <laughs> <sighs> Finally, you agree with me. <laughs> it, is, it is a very beautiful film. So I, I, it so is a very pretty film. I was going to say, let's talk about that first. I think yeah. like yeah. My, one of my issues with it, and this isn't an, really an issue, is it seems like the entire film was shot in the golden hour. You know, that like right as the sun comes up or as the sun sets, everything has this beautiful golden hue. Uh, and I, I realize that much of the film is memory, and that's how we all have that memory kind of thing. But it it I gotta say it doesn't get tiring. It never got exhausting. It was like, oh well, it's still sunset. <laughs> I being appropriate for this podcast, I thought you said something else at the beginning of that sentence. What what did that you think? Every moment is golden showers. And I'm like, <laughs> I want to see this director's cut. Oh Bradford. You the way you talk about cinematography, it has a golden shower hue. And I'm like, oh, I love this film. <laughs> What's this? <laughs> no, Sorry, I, I do. I, interject. I do agree with you, Bradford, in that the lighting was absolutely brilliant. Uh, the costume design, beautiful. It, I felt like it was always pretty fucking spot on. But yeah, the the attention to detail, like when you looked at some of the backgrounds and the rooms and mm. the sets and things like that, like not only was it a, a beautiful set, but just the attention to detail and what was in that room and how they were using some of the pieces and what they were doing and and I thought it, yeah, it was just. 
really, really a beautiful film. And a lot of that admittedly was due to the lighting as well. Yeah. Some of it's like <laughs> that, that detail is a, an important thing, I think, yeah. in this film. Yeah. Quite often in period films, you, you know, you have a room, let's say it's an office, or in this case it's a professor's office in a college, and you'll have one or two things in the background that give you the sense of where you're at, whereas these rooms were packed full of things. Like yeah. they would be. These rooms were professional rooms or their homes. They're, they're filled with the things these characters live with. But there was a lot of it mm. and enough for you to – but there was, there was so many tiny little things in the background yeah. that yeah. were spot on. Um, someone really had to work hard to make that happen. And I think we should add, just add that, you know, you keep saying period piece. It's um, – the the box story is set in the mid-40s, I think, and then the original story, the actual story is set in the 20s. Starting in the late 20s, late 20s, going into the 30s. Yeah. Also, we should have said it's at the very, very beginning, but there are going to be spoiler alerts around oh, this. Yeah, we probably so, oh, yeah. So if you frogs. haven't seen the film and you're at all interested in seeing it <laughs> before we talk about it, you should absolutely stop right now and go watch it and then come back. Yes. Agreed. Agreed. Mm-hmm. Or just listen and then watch it with that lens and see what you think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. The right lens. The correct lens. Because mm-hmm. yeah. we're all sitting here. We're right. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Yes. Absolutely. Yeah. We are correct. Um, funny enough, I think the look of it is great to a fault. Um, it's actually one of my few pet peeves with the film. Me being me, like, oh, you should have shot it on film. It, it's a very digital looking film to me and it's very clean, but the detail was, um, the detail of it really, I think, makes up for that. Like, I think that it's not a very colourful, vibrant looking film, which it really shouldn't be because it's set in the 20s. That's fine. But the they didn't detail, have colour back then? No. Well, have you seen the films back then? They're all black and white. The the documentaries, come on. Um, Life was black and white then. (laughs) Yeah. That's great. Um, I had to. Uh, No, no, no. So I think it's a very clean looking film, which I think in part makes it feel contemporary. Um, as well as some of the song choices. And I know that's a weird thing to say, but also the detail in the costume and the sets and everything really give it a feel where like you do – it is a film that is set in the twenties. Is that is the twenties? But the, the content itself makes it feel more contemporary because we never see films about the type of relationships, let alone from the twenties. So you know what I mean. It does have that nice balancing act because of the cinematography that it feels uh, period piece and contemporary and current. So, yeah. yeah. So and just to give everybody kind of an overview, if you've never seen the film or don't know anything about it, it follows Professor Marston and his wife Elizabeth, and they end up meeting. They're teaching at Harvard, and they meet Olive, who is a student of his in one of his classes on psychology. She starts working for them. They together, uh, the three of them, perfect the lie detector, and then they fall in love. And it's a perfect triangle between the three of them and it's really sweet and romantic and then you know hurdles ensue and then ultimately they leave the 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 university but olive's pregnant dun dun dum and then i know right the the, the scandal Uh, but then they all end up moving in together they fall in love they're broke as hell he invents wonder woman after taking the ladies to a very naughty place uh we'll talk about that i'm sure i'm sure Mm -hmm. and tons of notes on that Bunnings. (laughs) Bunnings. <laughs> I'm joking. I'm joking. <laughs> That's great. Or uh, for the folks in the U.S., the Home, Home Depot. Depot. <laughs> Home Depot. Sorry. Uh, and yeah, they live happily ever after until he dies, and that's it. Uh, that's not entirely true. In the movie, there is a breakup. Well, sure, of yeah. course, a couple have, of them. You have to have drama. Yeah. So yeah. yeah. Uh, but yeah, then they come back together and then live happily ever after mm. until he dies, and yeah. then even after the women live together. Yeah, but we don't get to see that. We don't that, get to see that. We that's going to be get, Leo's pet peeve, I think. We get little notes about <laughs> we'll, that at we'll, the end. We'll yeah. get to there. We get texts yeah. we have to read. 
reading. <laughs> I didn't come to this fucking movie to read. Um, <laughs> but I don't watch subtitles. But it is a really interesting movie in the fact that it does. Uh, it shows the three of them in a polyamorous relationship. It shows the two women being in a bisexual relationship, and it shows them being into kink, you know, bondage, submission, and shibari, that kind of thing. Yeah, and so, it is based on a true story. Mm, uh, we'll talk at some point how. Let's get into that. Okay, so there, the fact that the three of them lived together mm-hmm. and that he had children with both women mm-hmm. is absolute fact. Uh, that is that is proven. He actually adopted. So he was married to Elizabeth. Olive's children he adopted, and so that they were both Olive's. I'm sorry, they were Olive's biological children, but they were also his biological children. And then Elizabeth adopted them as well. So they were all together. There is no actual proof that the ladies had a bisexual relationship as well. Yeah, that's all speculation, just because of you know. It also makes for a good movie. Yeah, Uh, Yeah. but it's it's one of those things that. And admittedly, we've only done a little bit of research and walked a, watched a couple of documentaries about it. But it seems like the family seems to say that, no, they were not bisexual. But then there's other accounts. And there's other things that kind of like, well, why would that be if they weren't? And yeah. so it's it's up in the air, but it's unlikely it may have been as deep of a relationship as the film shows. Right. But it was definitely a polyamorous relationship. Yes. Uh, and there was some level of kink to it. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And also, if we're going into... Maybe, I mean, there are a number of things that the movie didn't exactly get factually correct as far as timelines and things that happened in the life. Like, apparently, there was never a big split, never a big breakup right. kind of thing. Um, Job was never really in jeopardy, that kind of thing. But it makes for a good movie, it makes for a good film. And to me, those things, like his, his job being at risk because of his lifestyle, is really still pertinent. Yeah. I mean, it's still, yeah. I would say, very pertinent. And it really does highlight, especially at that time, and I think maybe this, I don't obviously know anything about why these things were changed from what was actual, factual, kind of how things were. But it, it does kind of reiterate how at the time, this is very taboo. This is not a thing that can happen. And it does show the danger of them pursuing that relationship and what it could do to the family and, and how it could impact them personally, professionally, et cetera. So I think it, even though it may not be like 100% factually correct, it still really highlights a lot of the issues and a lot of the things. And it makes for a good movie. And ultimately, yeah. we're trying to tell a story. We're trying to sell a yeah. movie. We're trying to at least get, the, get it out there and get people interested to yeah. then dive into further. Yeah. And I think it does do well with that. Agreed. Um, and often the from what I've read and what I've seen – the choices of like him, them getting fired because of their relationship, they're small points. Like I don't think to be factually incorrect about those, I don't think that's entirely the worst. And those choices yeah. do lend to the bigger picture. Mm-hmm. They, they're being fired for their relationship. That's If that's not true, then it is helpful to have in this story because it doesn't um, – it doesn't destroy the overall point of the film in the end. No. The overall no. image. It kind of benefits it and like it really helps it and supports it. And we only have so it. much time to <clears throat> highlight and explore what queerness might have looked like mm-hmm. between 1928 and 1945 yeah. and what kind of impact that could have on your life. Mm-hmm. Now, he may not have gotten fired because he was in a queer polyamorous relationship, yeah. um, Mr. Marston, but many other people would have. Yeah. yeah, And just the threat of it. Yeah. yeah, And I do think it's interesting because at some point in there he even says, you know, why something to the effect of why should my personal life come into this? Or, you know, my personal life shouldn't yeah. have anything, it doesn't have any effect on my job. Yeah. And that's still very much a thing that, that people have problems with is yeah. that, you know, what you do in your personal life really 
doesn't have an impact on your job or shouldn't have an impact on your job. I don't know. The one lady called in sick so that the three of them could bone. <laughs> I often right. do that on Tuesdays and Wednesdays. My, oh. my work is suspicious. Sorry, sorry. <laughs> touche, touche. Yeah. That's why I work from home. <laughs> <laughs> did you get any work done today? Oh, yes, I did. <laughs> Can you please stop smoking while I'm talking to you? Sorry. <laughs> oh, my God. That's great. I have a few points that I would like to discuss, but I'm curious to see what others have first. I did write some notes down. I just wrote a few quotes, things that stuck in my craw. Well, so I will say it opens with a bunch of comic books being burned on a fire. Kids picking up comic books, and they're all Wonder Woman comic books um, because they're naughty and dirty. And admittedly, the only thing I could think of was the Dixie Chicks. Oh. When who are now known as the Chicks. Yes, I saw that this week. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so when they were in the UK and uh, basically called George W. Bush an idiot, mm-hmm. uh, there's a village in Texas that's missing its idiot. Uh, and then, of course, all of the Republicans uh, in the South decided they should burn the CDs that they had already paid for. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yeah, laughing to the <laughs> bank, baby. Um <laughs> That idea, that's just fucking brilliant. You people are brilliant. Uh, it's also more press for them, right? Wait, know, right? wait did they yeah. go to the store to buy the CD just to burn it? No, they'd already bought the CDs. Oh, um, that'd be pretty funny. Uh, I like that idea. More. I'm sure. I'm sure. Some. I love this did. idea that <laughs> masses of Texans ran to the store to buy something to burn it. That'd be great. And the chicks are sitting back, going, "Yeah, I'm counting my money." <laughs> just laughing outside Walmart as they head to the burning. Although room. I will say, the album after that was fantastic. Oh yeah, it was yeah, incredible. Their album was great. Oh. Um, and and also like our our the the current president, um, he tweets worse than oh. what they said. <laughs> so it's just kind of I look at that now and I'm like, seeing this fire, you know, I'm looking at it going yeah. how the world changes and doesn't change at all. Yeah, and no, you people are sheer irony stupid. of it all. Yeah, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Well, has much changed? I oh no, yeah, no. Even from watching the film this time around, I'm like. Not a lot has changed at all. And then that includes seeing polyamorous relationships in yeah. films. Mm-hmm. Actually, I think um, if it's not hetero or homonormative, yeah. we're still in a position where we don't see things. Yeah, yeah. but even the homonormative um, follows under the heteronormative. Oh, no, it totally does. It's like Disney, but gay. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. I was like, well, somebody still has to stay home and take care of mm-hmm. the kids. You yeah. both can't work. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Which one of you is the man in the relationship? <laughs> oh my! <laughs> it's like fuck you, cunt. Anyway, <laughs> um, as you can tell, Bradford's got quite a way of words with his film reviews. <laughs> fuck you, cunt. Don't <laughs> inhale. Fuck off. <laughs> I do. I do. I know. But I'm it was one of the first things we said after we watched it this evening was that a lot of time has passed since the period that we were watching. Yeah, but not a lot has changed no. in terms of acceptance, understanding even visibility of yeah. queerness and polyamory. Um, yeah. So if you, if you don't sit at either end of the spectrum, queer-wise, it, it can be tough. Yeah. Yeah. Very true. Hmm. Um, so I, I see some notes over there on Chris's pad. What do you have uh, first up? The lyrics to songs. Okay. I, I couldn't think of anything. No, my- This is Bohemian Rhapsody. <laughs> exactly. No, the, um, the notes that I had- First one was, I wish they shot this on film, but I just write that about every movie if it was shot on film. I know, I'm sorry. Um, one thing that I, one thing that I love about the film and I'm overly impressed with is it is structured and 
like a Hollywood film and it plays like a Hollywood film. It's got the music cues. It's got sweeping statements. It's all very kind of very easy to watch. A a staple of Hollywood films is that they're very easy to watch no matter the content or the subject matter. Okay. Um, That's what like the difference, a big difference between art house and Hollywood is where Hollywood is a Hollywood film is there for your entertainment, no matter what it's about. And I think this does that. Like it opened, it's, um, Digestible. Yeah, very very digestible. And that's the film. Like, it is so easy to watch, so digestible, so um, it, it's kind of got a, a joy and a sweetness to it, which a, an art film I don't think would have with this subject yeah. matter. Um, so it is a Hollywood film. It's presented as one, um, even though the relationship on screen is kind of revolutionary because I can't name another film where that's on display and it's like a Hollywood romance. It is. It's, it's, yeah. it's very much like Hollywood rope. That's why it feels more fresh than it. It's like bisexuality, poly- polyamory, uh, BDSM, like all of it, it's there. And, um, and it's it, again, the whole movie's so much fun to watch in a lot of ways, um, which could also be why I think Leo would say it's shallow. Would you say so? Like that's part of, that's kind mm. of its curse in, yeah, a little. I think. Yeah. I think maybe the shallow, the shallow comment is related to some of the sanitization mm-hmm. of certain aspects of their relationship. But in saying that, I did like how normal it felt to watch these people yeah. on screen. The relationship was normalized Very. the way it was presented, and I yeah. think that was great. The their own internalized shame in the period they live in, and the way the society is reacting to them, or mm-hmm. has the potential to react to them that's writ large so they don't shy away from it but when we just see those three people in their relationship Mm -hmm. it feels very normal yes yes very romantic yes and and even the the bdsm and and all those kink aspects seem very normal yeah Yeah. i love that and you immediately fall in love with them and on top of it if you were to take this film and play it in a very large cinema to just regular regular folks who go to the movies on a friday night you know that majority could potentially fall in love with them as well. Like it's not mm-hmm. – they probably would forget yeah. within the first half an hour that they haven't seen this type of relationship on screen before or if they have, it's hardly ever. Do you know what I mean? Like it really mm-hmm. kind of yeah. in a way makes you forget that this is not common. I the relationship, It's very yeah. beautifully done. Yeah, yeah. good yeah. point as well yeah. is that the normal public would see this and immediately forget what they're watching. Yes, because – Hollywood film because yeah. it's the right. music the and I'm like yeah that's why this movie's great I think I think we forget how much we are lulled into that sense of security by Hollywood films yes or that sense of drama or yep. the sense of comedy yep. uh, actually just the formula we're yeah. so trained to consume a formula so talking about that one of the things I noticed very early on was the lighting on the faces mm-hmm. so in the very beginning well actually throughout the film Anytime there's any kind of emotional conflict, the lighting is half light, half shadow. There's a lot of shadows on the face. But anytime that the characters are content or happy or in love, it's this whole soft glow. Like there's no direct light. It's all indirect light. And so Olive in the beginning, like she goes from these wonderful, like beautiful glowing shots to these like almost Phantom of the Opera, like half of her face is in shadow. And I'm sitting there going, (laughs) don't talk about the explosion just yet. (laughs) And I'm like, like, wait, where is that shadow even coming from? Where is this light coming from? But you know, I'm in hook, line and sinker. Yeah. Like, absolutely. Yeah. But it's true. It works. And, yeah. and that the golden showers comment, what was, can you, sorry, can you repeat that? Oh, I'm so sorry. No, could you repeat oh, that? Because I'm, fitting, all right. I just about spit beer on my microphone. 
<laughs> Another golden shower. Um, <laughs> yeah, I'm sorry. This one's yeasty. <laughs> oh, oh. oh, you're right. <laughs> <laughs> Leo's face just dropped. Everyone, <laughs> yeah, all right, mate. <laughs> um, but that that comment you said, I, tying that in, every time they're outside or any time yes. they're in a room with windows, the sun is shining bright on everything. Again, Hollywood romance and classic yeah. film, like you know. But do you think is it, is it just that we're watching a Hollywood film, or is it that that whole that it is so normalized that that I don't know, I'm trying to. That's what I mean, though. It's it's technically not. It was released here as an art film. It went to one cinema. Do you think it's because a lot of the shame yeah. that we see in the film is externalised? Yes. There's, yeah. There's no shame applied to the relationship in no. the story. Uh, like within the, when the three of them had their own stuff to deal with. Yes. Like they've got their own, we're worried about what the outside world mm-hmm, will do to mm-hmm. us. But that's another externalisation, right? Isn't True. that what all shame is? Oh, I don't know. Uh, so it, Difference between that's guilt and shame. Question. Yeah, looking at what Brene True. Brown says, guilt is I've done something wrong. Yeah. Shame says I am something wrong. Yeah. And I think that's kind of that I am something wrong comes into this. I mean, granted, it is all external, but yeah. it's always external, right? Good point. Yeah. You're welcome. Well, Mike, yeah. Mike <laughs> dropped. And Angela's like, don't drop the fucking mic. They're expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Boom. No. <laughs> this is a radio play, everyone. <laughs> Go fuck yourself. <laughs> So I just really liked how throughout the film they really showed the growth of the relationship because you start out with you know Professor Marston and Elizabeth and their relationship and they're talking about uh, Olive and you know obviously he's interested in her and Elizabeth is you know kind of like oh yeah bring her on to your assistant whatever and when they're talking about I mean she obviously understands that Olive is going to be an affection of attraction or, or that he's attracted to her and. She, uh, one of her quotes is that, who am I to fight nature? I'm your wife, not your jailer. And yeah. I love and that like, line. I love that line. That's so good. But then when Elizabeth confronts Olive about it, like when Olive starts working for them and Elizabeth confronts her and she says, you know, I'd rather you not fuck my husband or basically don't fuck my husband. Yeah. And you could see like Olive was hurt. She was offended to think that, that this woman would automatically think that she's going to fuck her professor just because it's her husband and whatever. Yeah. And and you could kind of see her working through all of that. And and I think at that point, if I were Olive, I would have been like, you know, I want someone to take me seriously. And she didn't feel, she didn't think that they were because she even kind of implied that throughout her life, people see her looks and they don't take her seriously. And so mm. you, but you, then you see the, as their relationship goes on and, and obviously as Olive then expresses interest in Elizabeth, rather than Professor Marston as much, there's the whole flying scene when they're out on the airstrip. And if you look at the body language between the two women, you know, Olive is continually leaning in to Elizabeth and she's like focused on her. She doesn't see anything else. She's Mm. focused on Elizabeth. And so then you follow that, that relationship all the way through and they go back to the lab and they're working on the whole lie detector test. And anytime they have to have a difficult conversation or they're talking about feelings or anything that's really hard to talk about with your partner or partners or people that you're working with and sleeping with, whatever. Uh, They're doing attached to the lie detector. I loved that. Yeah. So anytime they're having those difficult conversations, it's attached to the lie detector, which brings in Wonder Woman's lasso of truth. Yeah. And, but it's also like, you're now tied to this thing. Now, granted, they're sort of testing it, but also you can't lie. Like you have to tell the truth. And so it, it's, yeah. Yeah. And there's a question in that. If you had the opportunity to strap your partner to a lie detector yeah. <laughs> as regularly 
as these three people strap each other to a lie detector, would you? No. <laughs> and what would you ask would, if you could? Oh, okay, yeah. so the question is, actually, that's a better question, is would you, and then conversely, would you want to be strapped to the lie detector? Mm. Ooh. If it were me, and Nicole will probably listen to this, it'll be that episode of The Simpsons where they ask him, <laughs> do you understand how this process works? I understand, and then the machine <laughs> blows up. Yeah. That'll be me, and I'm like, thank God this is over. <laughs> That's good, because I've got a hot date tonight. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I got a dinner alone. <laughs> I'm looking at a Playboy magazine. I'm ogling the chicks in the J.C. Kenney's catalog, really whatever. Good. Anyway. Yeah. 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 Um, You'd still get a beep, you know. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so just to add to that, the body language was yeah. fucking brilliant. Yeah. So that scene that you're talking about when they're at the airfield is my favorite scene in the entire film because you've got Olive and Elizabeth sitting on this blanket. Olive is literally gushing over Elizabeth and Elizabeth doesn't even notice. She's sitting straight. She's stoic. But she, that, yeah. that imagery, what you described, how Olive is le- leaning into her and, and um, Elizabeth is not leaning away from Olive, but leaning back. She's open to the world, yeah. reflects their entire relationship. Mm-hmm. Olive is internal to the relationship. She's relationship focused. Yeah. Whereas Elizabeth is always concerned with what the outside world is saying mm-hmm. and yeah. thinking. Mm-hmm. And that's such a, like, those are small things that, you know, yeah. audiences notice without noticing they notice. Mm-hmm. I love that. Yeah, and that was, as you go on through the relationship, it's interesting to watch the growth of both of them. I would say probably we see more with Olive, yeah. Yeah. of course. Um, see, I think we see more with Elizabeth. I don't know. No, I see. I see Olive growing more in the relationship between the three of them and kind of them as a family unit uh, and how they work as a team. I see that more so. Elizabeth, I think, grows more in learning about herself and getting in touch with her feelings and and coming a little more human. Okay. Uh, Okay. A little more emotional, maybe. To count, to in what you just said, who do you see more, Olive or Elizabeth? I think you see Elizabeth more, but Olive is framed on her own often and she's given more moments where it's just her in frame and she's given a moment where her – because they look at her and they comment a lot on how beautiful she is and her beauty and and then there's the moment where she's revealed as Wonder Woman or that that moment. So, Mm -hmm. yeah, I know. What a moment. Um, But I think that's the – there is the difference where you see Elizabeth more, I think, um, and you see more of her development. Uh, Mm -hmm. She develops more as a person. Uh, more as a character as well. I also think she's the strongest one in the film. Yes. And that's why I love the film as well. Um, but Olive, when it's her, it's often just her. It's, it's never the three. It's not really the three of them or the two of them. It's always just mm. on her in close up. So, yeah. 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 I also really liked uh, when you're looking at how they all developed, you know, the first time that they're really uh, introduced to Shibari and they're at the studio and this kink club. Yes. The it's kink a burlesque club, under, I think, isn't it? Say what? It's a burlesque club, isn't it? Is that where they end up? I it, think so. No, it's, it's a, a kink club. No, it's a kink club. I think that it's like a shop where you would buy lingerie. Yeah. But then there's this underground because he, he asks the, the, the proprietor asks if he's a cop basically. I mm-hmm. mean, um, when he finds out he's not, He's like, all right, let me show you. Yeah. So anytime you're at Target or Woolworths next, just find out <laughs> if they have a kink club in the back. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, it's Bunnings, isn't it? Yeah, isn't sorry. Right. Right. 
Ropes and chains, baby. They keep selling out. Nothing else does. (laughs) Oh, dear. (laughs) But I did like that as they're, you know, once they kind of really get into it and when Elizabeth starts to tie Olive and she asks, are you okay with this? She's asking for consent and waiting for that explicit consent first, which, you know, isn't really probably a big thing most people are going to pick up on. But in the kink community, it's a thing. And it also is something that's very often overlooked in movies when referring to kink. This is true. Like Fifty Shades, which we have been told recently that we have to do the next two movies. Jesus. We had listeners go, we want to hear the... I want to be there for the first one. We did the first one. Oh, damn I already suffered. Oh, great Um, film. I'm joking. (laughs) I'm joking. I had to see that face (laughs) drop. There were three very white faces all of a sudden. All the (laughs) colour drained out of us. Thanks, Chris. I'm surrounded by ghosts, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) Even Pippin, the brown poodle, just turned white. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Um, God. Yeah. Yeah, so... Leo, throw us one of your quotes that you wrote down. I wrote a few different notes of things. Um, on the Wonder Woman thing, I thought it was interesting that <clears throat> we just watched a film that was about your art reflecting life, which is what I do day to day anyway. <laughs> Lucky <laughs> my you. My whole bloody world. <laughs> but yeah. um, I don't often see it like that. Like that, that, that it's so, so explicitly written that, that the things that are happening in your, your private sphere – can then be not only inform your art, but then your art becomes a place for you to explore it and potentially push the boundaries of it and bring that back into oh, your yeah. relationship. So I thought that was really interesting, the way art informs in a circle. Yeah. Um, I, I liked the whole disc theory yes. thing, which I had not yeah. heard of before this yes. film, and I thought that was very cool, and now I want to dive into that. I'm definitely going to be reading more on that. So should we dive into that yeah. a little? Yeah, go for yeah. it. So DISC, you, you probably know a bit more about it, I think. I don't know as much as I probably should know. I also liked the line, your heart pumps a record of your truth. Yeah. Which I thought was just a beautiful piece of writing. Yeah. yeah. So DISC was the DISC theory, which is what Marston kind of created, which is uh, DISC, dominance, inducement, submission, compliance. Dominance produces activity in antagonistic environment. Inducement produces activity in a favorable environment. Submission produces passivity in a favorable environment. And compliance produces passivity in an antagonistic environment. Mm -hmm. So basically he was trying to explain the the world as we see it through dominance, uh, submission, and then complying and not Mm -hmm. complying. Mm -hmm. Mm Mm-hmm. I'm going to stuff that up when I explain this to friends going, have you heard of the DVD theory? (laughs) And they're like, what is it? I don't. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, to get 20, 20, 20, to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at PlushCare.com slash weight loss. That's PlushCare.com slash weight loss. PlushCare.com slash weight loss. 
No, but it's something about with that bitty of salmon whipping. It's fantastic. <laughs> and no one's going to look it up. And no one. <laughs> also, Wonder Woman. Yeah. Also, I think Batman. Excellent. <laughs> and they're like, nothing. What, what you just said makes sense again. Um, one of my favorite lines in the film is, your body will always betray you, which is what he says to the censorship board when describing how the lie detector works. And it kind of, um, a lot of this, there's a lot of foreshadowing in the film, but that's one of them where your body will betray you. And I don't think necessarily betray, betrays, not, maybe not the right word, but when they're outed um, by the neighbor, again, it's their, their, it's how their body's positioned. They're them wanting to take a day off work just to fuck all day. Um, but again, it's because the, Again, bodies, like it's their body language, everything. Everyone can see it. Your bodies will betray you, yeah. which I think. Um, yeah. At the very end of the in. day, Marston's body betrays him. Yeah, uh-huh. yeah. Uh-huh. exactly. The whole movie's about bodies betraying you in some way, um, which is fascinating to me. But. Yeah. Can we get into that, uh, the inquiry, the censorship board a bit more? Oh, uh, yeah. I have a lot of. So that's, a, that's the box story. Yeah. So the box story is the censorship board is inquiring about the level of eroticism mm-hmm. and sexuality in Wonder Woman. Mm-hmm. Uh, and some of the images, look, if you haven't seen the classic Wonder Woman and some of the shit that she got down to. <laughs> um, I have bought every single edition thanks yeah. to this wonderful film. Uh-huh. Oh my. As you should, because uh, Wonder Woman, she'd be, she be kinky uh-huh. yeah. and sexy and yeah. powerful. Woof. But what I think is interesting, though, is that you have this this board that is, or are, are, they, are they a board or what would you call them? I was Sarah? bored. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. <laughs> So let's let's call it a board, whether it's a censorship board, an inquiry board, whatever, they're a board. So this board, though, is led by this woman. So this woman is the spokesperson for them, and she's the only one that you really see mostly with it. And so... And two other men writing notes, kind of mm, like witnesses. Interesting choice to, to make. The female voice on that panel, the only voice we hear yep. when it's a film about women's agency to yeah. a great degree. Yeah, that was one of the things I was like, how, why? I'd, like, I don't really get that whatsoever because mm-hmm. this is a film that is all about female, I would say female empowerment. Yeah. And yet you have this woman who's very much questioning it. And so she's she's questioning things like, um, well, I mean, first of all, she calls it out and she says, you know, that, that Wonder Woman is involved in bondage and sex, etc. But yet if it were a male superhero, those things wouldn't really be questioned no. because men can do things like that. Yeah. But it's only because it's a female superhero that it's really, really an issue. And and she questions, you know, why does Wonder Woman have a secret identity? Yeah. I mean, Superman was released a few years before this. Superman has a secret identity. You know, superheroes do. That's why they're superheroes. Well, I, I think it's funny, too, because she keeps talking about, you know, Wonder Woman is just a secretary. Yeah. As if there's something wrong with that. But then Clark Kent was just a fucking reporter. Yeah. Like, come on. Yeah. Spider-Man just takes pictures. And like, like <laughs> their, their day jobs suck. They're meant to be innocuous. Yeah. yeah. They're yeah. blending in with everybody. Um, yeah, but it's just interesting that it is this, this female-led board in supposedly a man's world, questioning female empowerment, and and you know why are women portrayed this way, etc. And so then the question is, why does she question? Like, is she threatened by it? Um, you know, like, is she so entrenched in societal norms that she mm-hmm. really then 
you know, is like, I don't understand and we can't have this. And what does yeah. that, you know, do to our children and blah, 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 mm-hmm. whatever. She's in power. Power corrupts. Absolute power corrupts. That's a choice yeah. though. Like we, we think about the boards that we, I think about historical boards from the United States, uh, particularly censorship boards from after World War II onwards. And I don't think I can recall seeing a woman fronting those boards, those panels. And, um, and I mean, I'm probably very wrong. Well, that also could be a liberty the movie took, right? Uh, yeah, yeah. So. But I just think that's a really interesting choice to, mm. to, to pit woman against woman. It is, yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's. I do think it's a great choice for a couple of reasons. Um, one, there is the thing of Motion Picture Association of America. Mm-hmm. They a lot of the choices they were making where they were really denying and um, denying films that had women enjoying sex. Men enjoying sex, it was fine. If it was women, it would get an X or an NC seventeen. If it was a man enjoying it, like American Pie, that got an R. It was fine. And then they're like, and they there was a study on it, and then it was revealed that it was mostly women. It was mostly what they refer to as soccer mums. Um, and then it was the thing of, so why would women then uh, criticize and censor a film that has female pleasure? But I, I do think it ties. So in other words, there are boards where it is majority women, where it's the censorship's on the forefront. Um, But I do think I like seeing that dynamic of it's a woman fronting that board Mm -hmm. because it then shows, it it kind of has that look of what if you don't question the things around you and you don't question the systems in place, you become a part of it and that's what it looks like. Mm -hmm. Um, Whereas our two leads, Olive and Elizabeth, do. They do it almost every turn and you can see Elizabeth wavering and making the wrong choices when she doesn't, when she stops questioning and go, no, let's just stick yeah. to how society works. And that's, she is kind of that, what how society works looks like. That's what it looks like. You are going to say awful things like, um, well, homosexuality is an illness? Yes, uh, a mental so illness. That, no, lesbianism is seen as an illness. Yeah, it was, it, yeah. At, said, the, at the time, that's what they said, that lesbianism is seen as an illness. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's just things like that. So not necessarily homosexuality, but lesbianism specifically. So just to dive in on that. So she's referring to the DSM, the Diagnostic Statistical Manual of Mental Disorder. Uh, And homosexuality in the DSM was seen as a mental illness. Mm. So she's calling out lesbianism, Mm. sure. But homosexuality of any kind was a mental illness. Um, That was removed from the DSM as a mental illness in 1987. Yep. Yeah. yeah. The WHO, WHO removed it in 1992. Yep. So, I mean, I think that's a, that, that just shows you, you know, we feel like we've moved so far and that mm-hmm. we're so, yeah. you know, we're so safe. Progressive. Yeah, yeah. Progressive and safe. And the answer is we're not. No. Uh, and I think that, again, you know, this isn't a political podcast, but that you have to put people in power who will protect you and the people that you love. Yeah. Uh, and I think that it's very important to remember how tenuous our grip is on what safety we have. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. Which I think having her, having that character as a woman does show you that when we think of censorship and um, that kind that sort of thing, it usually is, um, older white men. I, I really think that's the number yeah. one thing you go to. So when you see that it's a woman, it shows you that it's not, it, it's that it's all, it feels like everybody then mm-hmm. it feels like if a woman saying this, a woman saying that exact thing, 
and you see you hear that women are um, censoring uh, female pleasure in films, it's showing you that that's what society and that thinking does. It's widespread, therefore it gets um, beaten down more. That's probably in part why it, up until 1992, that's yeah. It was, you know what I mean. Like it just shows you well, that it's. If women think it, it must be true, and there's yeah. one woman and five thousand guys behind her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, so I did think that was a good choice. Um, yeah. but it is, I guess, a bit puzzling at first. Um, yeah. but thinking about it, it's like no, this is what happens when you stick to a, a patriarchal system and one that's, um, yeah, really limiting and really harmful and hurtful. And I actually feel like a lot of what the board was asking as well, because they even asked, like, why do you write under a pseudonym? Which, Leo, did you ever figure out where the pseudonym came from? No. And this is just my speculation. I don't have any factual basis for this. But he wrote under Charles Moulton. Moulton was his middle name. Right. Charles was the guy who owned the lingerie shop with the kink club in the back. Uh, Was it? Yeah. I never called his name was Charles. Yeah. I mean, we've said it with a French accent, but yeah. I thought his name was Soleil Bleu. (laughs) (laughs) So I don't know if that's actually where it came from, but in my mind, that's where it came from. Yeah. That's cool. Yeah, Yeah, that is cool. Uh, But, you know, the board asked him why he did he write under a pseudonym, but yet many comic writers write under pseudonyms. Many writers write under pseudonyms. Yes. So it's like, why would you question this? And I felt like the entire time, like the the board, this lady is questioning like everything that he's doing. But yet, if it were a male superhero, there would have been no questions asked whatsoever. No. No. Why, did Mark, my, why does Mark Twain write under a pseudonym? <laughs> <laughs> Come on. Yeah. Yeah. Ugh. What was Mark Twain's real name? Samuel Clemens. Huh. There you go. Yeah. If I ever become a, a published author, I'm, my pseudonym's going to be Samuel Clements. <laughs> <laughs> Think of I my Google hits. <laughs> Chris, your, Google your pseudonym as an artist doesn't work. Why not? Michael Jackson's a great name. <laughs> you know Google might explode with a circle to that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. <laughs> oh, awesome. Oh, I love it. It's great. I sort of did want to do the want wah again, but you know, I <laughs> want to do it. It hurts my heart too much. Um, one thing I will say, I kind of wish we didn't say, I, I wish we kind of added to the start of this. If you haven't seen it, but you're, you're okay with spoilers, just to get you into the film, please listen to this. Because I like that we could spoil this and they could, someone could still watch it and there's still a lot to be had. Oh, yeah. Yes. You know Absolutely. what I mean? It's, yeah. And also... Not a lot of people saw this. No one saw this film. Mm. None of my friends know what this film is. I looked up the box office and it was pretty terrible. Yeah. So, but I will say, In I looked minus. up Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah. yeah. 87%. That's right. Yeah. It's certified fresh, people. Yeah. Uh, and 77% of people who watch it liked it. Yeah. Uh, it is available to watch if you're in the U.S. on Hulu. You yeah. can stream it, uh, but that's the only one. Yeah. So go out and buy a DVD or, copy or you can find it on iTunes and yeah. Fandango and whatnot. Uh, Leo, what other quotes do you got? Um, mm, our children inherit our shame. Oh. oh, God, that's so true. So that's actually something that is not touched on a whole lot in the film. You see a little bit with the children, yeah. Yeah. but not a lot. And admittedly, through the documentaries and things, there's a little bit like they're you know talking to the children, the grandchildren, etc. And it does sound like the children lived with a lot of. I'm going to say shame, but also a lot of unknown. I don't think they were really told a lot about the relationship, it didn't seem like. And so it sounded like even they were kept in the dark. And so then it's a question of, you know, because we talk to people, our friends that have kids, and they're like, we try to give them age-appropriate information. But yet if society doesn't accept what you're trying to give them, then do you give it to them or do you try to protect them? And my guess is they were trying to protect them, but then, you know, what happens when you die and your kids don't know and then you feel like you never knew your parents? Yeah. 
And I, and I don't think it necessarily maybe, I don't know, maybe it went that far, maybe it didn't go that far. We don't really know. Um, there was, certainly wasn't room but, in the film to explore the family dynamic. Yeah. But that was something I really enjoyed. No, yeah. I don't have a desire to have children myself, but to see a polyamorous family with children, that's that's a leap forward even from where we are now. And a mixed family at that. So yeah. with both women having children and then them adopting Olive's children, that kind of, like I would love to have seen a bit more of that and how that played out and, and just how that dynamic worked. Because yeah. we don't. It kind of skips ahead and it skips over that part. Yeah, and we get a little 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 grab at the very end mm. that tells us that the children were proud of their parents mm. and wanted to establish a museum and everything else, which is great. But yeah, we don't we don't yeah. really get to see that family mm. thing happening. Yeah, yeah, and and it also says how long that they lived together after he died. So yeah. he died in 1947, and they lived together until Olive died in 1990. Wow, wow. another 38 years or something That's like that. Almost 40 time. years together. 43 years. Good yeah. lord! Wow. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. Um, it's funny that I five times watching it, I never questioned how the family setup worked. I just believed it. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like mm. it's just that's a big thing for them to have kids and that set up. And, and I just like, no, I, I believe it. That's fine. And normally I would question that in a film. I'd want to see more of that. And I would, I'd love to see it here, but I could, you know, not having seen it, I was still quite satisfied that it made sense. It worked. And yeah. you kind of knew how much, you could tell how much the kids knew. You could tell like yeah. from when the kid comes home and he's been bullied. Yeah, um, and yeah. I think I saw somewhere, and this may have been in one of the articles that was written about it or whatever. But I think one of the children said that there was like a children's section to the house and an adult section to the house, and they oh. never really went there, never questioned what happened or how mm. things were. Um, I don't know how accurate that is, but I'm pretty sure that was in one of the articles I read about that. That's, 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 would be. that's yeah. not an unusual thing for parents. No, really? even today, or even Mm-mm. that. But no, my my grandparents Mm-mm. were like that. There was a room that the children. Never allowed in. Yeah, that door was always closed. Man, I'd be breaking into that room. <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty, pretty sure it was just their bedroom. <laughs> but um, Box of but yeah, it's like, oh, thanks for the adult room. <laughs> like, oh, <laughs> uh, but yeah, no, I don't think I think that, that that seems quite. A, that seems like a work that could work. Did your grandparents have a bed like ours? No. Yeah. Did your grandparents have plastic on all the furniture? <laughs> no. Because if they, they did, it means grandma was a squirter. <laughs> did they have a fondness for paddles? <laughs> just checking. <laughs> Um, I don't know. Sorry, Leo. I don't think I want to know. <laughs> I'm so sorry. Grandma, <laughs> Grandma, I'll take your teeth out. <laughs> oh, oh. Why is that bad? No, no reason. Wouldn't be bad for Grandpa. No, that's what I'm no. saying. <laughs> <laughs> They've been in the adult room Wait. for three days. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Sorry. Graham Graham needs some lubricant. Sorry. All right, all right, Leo. What else? What else you got on your list? What else do I have? Uh, I don't know if I've got much more. Um, (laughs) Oh, you've always got an inch or two more to push in. Yeah. (laughs) What? I love how Bradford goes. What did I say? (laughs) (laughs) After all of. (laughs) Ow! It's not expecting that. That's what I sometimes say. <laughs> I hate that he has the soundboard, ladies and gentlemen. I hate it. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um, what else do I have written down? I made a note about the way they treat submission mm. in the film, yeah. um, which I thought was pretty sensitive, pretty good, mm-hmm. particularly if you're a beginner BDSM or a kinker. And, um, I liked that they used submission as a way to create 
equity and respect between three people. Yes. I thought yeah. that was pretty cool. And I also really like how they showed submission to be a very willing thing. Like it was a never it was never yeah. forced. It was always mm. like yes, like and it always seemed to bring them closer together. Yes. So yeah. yeah. There was that great moment though where uh he ties up Olive for the first time and then Elizabeth leaves and uh so he and then he immediately follows, and the the owner, the proprietor of the kink store, uh, is like, eh, he's a submissive. Yeah, it's like, yeah, cool. That's, yeah. and you know, it's like, I can see that. Mm. But the, on the equity thing, the film and the story treats. Uh, I, I liked the gender equity in this film, yeah, and yeah. and it wasn't just the personal and sex setup of this relationship that was breaking norms. This was a trio of people who were willing to do whatever they could yeah. to stay mm-hmm. together and have that relationship, mm. which included uh, Elizabeth becoming the primary breadwinner yes. in like yeah. 1930-something. Yeah. And everyone being totally cool with that. That wasn't, yeah. it, He wasn't emasculated by that decision. No. It, it gave him the freedom and space to do his next thing. Mm-hmm. And that, I think... Part of me loves that the fact that that was just part of it, and so yeah. that's normal. Yeah. But part of me is like, you know, that should have been commented on. That's a that's such gold because even over. today, yeah, yeah. Uh, there's a lot of that. Yeah. You know, guys are not comfortable when ladies make more money than them. That's oh, the whole like me, you can't be a house husband. You've got God, to be a stay at home dad. God, I want to be a house husband so bad, <laughs> so bad. Bring me a sugar daddy. I know. Bring me a sugar anything. <laughs> How about a sugar oh, you know cookie? what i'll take a sugar mama i'll take anything like i'm i'm, I'm looking for some sugar uh if you listen to this podcast now and you've got lots of sugar that you want to give please email us at uh, expect uh, some packages <laughs> sugar everywhere. that's not what i meant <laughs> i thought you were like expect some packages yeah. i was like i hope so no um, <laughs> no unfortunately no hey sugar daddy <laughs> oh, dear um, but I also love that that wasn't questioned upon because even they knew that she was the strongest one in the room yeah. at all yeah. times. Yeah. 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 And that was what made them smart where they knew, not made them smart, but like you can tell they're very intuitive people where they're like, no, she is the smartest. She is the strongest. And um, also she very often did what she had to for the relationship and to keep things going and, to, yes. and whatnot. And it was, you know, when she went for the secretarial job and they show her and the, the interviewer asked, you know, do you think that you're, above this and she kind of swallows her pride and says no and yeah. and then at the end when she's on her knees submitting to all of you know she's doing what she has to 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 make it work and to, yes. for them to be together yeah. and and it's not necessarily always easy for her but elizabeth makes it. the hard choices yeah that's she has the and most professor doubts, yeah. yeah but marston follows his bliss mm. in yeah. so many ways so like he follows his inspiration yeah. but elizabeth makes the hard choices to make that inspiration possible. She's always thinking about society because she's, she's the one that has to deal with them the most. Um, yeah. Yeah. He's, yeah, he's in front of his typewriter and yep. he's in his office and yep. he's and in he's, front of the chalkboard but he's actually rarely dealing with the public. He's got course. a pseudonym. He's fine. I'll just stay at home. Elizabeth is the one working and coming home. Until he has to front that panel. Yep. Mm. Yep. Mm. Oof. Yeah. Look wow. at us making, making in-depth thoughts yeah. and, and yeah. shit. It's like we're smart. Four minutes earlier, I want a sugar daddy. <laughs> <laughs> Was it even four minutes? <laughs> no. <laughs> I had to. I'm sorry. It's fine. It's truth. <laughs> uh, both can be correct. Yes, that's true. <laughs> Siskel and Ebert present <laughs> the adult room <laughs> starring grandma and grandpa. <laughs> oh, I'm oh. sorry. <laughs> oh, dear. 
any final thoughts that we want to go over? Uh, fun fact. Yes. There is an asteroid named after Olive Byrne. Ah. 2018, there was an asteroid named after her. I yep. love that. <laughs> That's great. So, so she's forever, I don't know. Up immortalized. In, yeah. Until she crashes into something. <laughs> well, yeah, she was yeah. last seen in Armageddon. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Actually, sorry. look, guys, look, we saw the three of them sexy fuckers sleeping in that bed. Yeah. Her movie was Deep Impact. Oh, <laughs> oh touche. <laughs> hey, can we talk about that goddamn bed? Oh, the single mattress. <laughs> they three were people Breakfast. in a single mattress? Yeah. When, when Angela and I have the gentleman sleeping over, I, don't, I sometimes sleep on the couch. Like, <laughs> we have a queen size bed. Just yeah. for the record. Yeah, for yeah. the record. And yeah. and theirs was probably a full. It was probably a double or full. Yeah. 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 A full? Uh, we call it a full in the States. We have it's single, full, yeah. queen, king. And then it's a single, double, queen, king. Yeah. Here. Yeah. Full is a misleading I word. I also love that the kids had bigger beds than the parents. <laughs> 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 Fucking kids sleeping like kings and they're just like on a single mattress trying to have sex. And like, <laughs> yeah. Let, can, yeah. Yeah. Let's just talk it up to camera angle. It's all about camera angle. We were yeah, right above much. the bed. Overhead. Maybe you were like really high up. <laughs> <laughs> they, they had the wrong set of lenses that day. Like, oh. <laughs> it's a small bed. Like, shit. The thing was fucking tiny. Yeah. Like, I mean, I realize it was the 50s yeah. or whatever, but. Yeah, yeah, Can I ask what the rating was on that film? MA. I didn't actually check that. It was an MA. MA here, R in the US. R in the US. Really, an R? Yeah, yeah. It's, they say fuck more than once. It's therefore an R. It is. Uh, MA, it's MA on the side, yeah. Oh, yeah. And they side. also say fuck mm. as uh, talking about sex. Yeah. Don't yes, fuck my do. husband. I don't fuck my yeah, husband. Do. Please don't fuck my husband. Did you fuck my husband? Oh, That's you did twice. fuck my husband. Because yeah. <laughs> yeah. this is yeah. the fascinating thing about working with these guys and Chris. Yeah. Is the learning way. about MPAA and how rating systems work. Yeah. And it's the reason... You're all making refuse classification, right? That's right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And uh, yeah. we say fuck all the time. Uh huh. Yes. Maybe not in the mo- in, not in our movie, but yeah. um, in real life, in our real pre-production life. process will be about an NC seventeen. Yes, purely Look, for the-, the special the special uh, extended stuff on the DVD. Yes. will all be uh, X rated. The director's cut. Oh, the director's yes. cut. The director's <laughs> cut. <laughs> <laughs> not seen in cinemas. Oh, I love oh, it. We get to do it. No, not seen except for cinemas. Oh. But it's S I N. Ah, yeah, I like cinema. It. They're never going to sell our DVD. <laughs> Which is why we will give it away. Have an audio commentary and we just say cunt fuck, cunt fuck, just to get us over the NC-17 line. <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> I loved your insights in that film. Fuck cunt. Cunt fuck. Yeah. We call each other cunts. Yeah. <laughs> well, cunt. <laughs> yeah. Send my cuntographer there. I'm like, oh. <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Well, a lot of Refuse ties into this film. A lot. And I didn't realise until watching it with – you two, because uh, I've always said that Refuse, when I thought of the idea and like just did a rough idea of the first draft and then gave it to Bradford, it was based on Bradford and Angela Part. Like I had the idea for a hundred years because I've been so obsessed with film censorship um, because it's so fascinating. It just there's mm. n- so never ending stories on how this mysterious board that very few know how, how it works just tells you how to think or feel and watch. And it's censoring adults and not kids more than anything. I'm like, no, that's what it's about. And I said to Bradford and Angela, like you, you two are the inspiration for this. Like I met, met you guys, love you guys. I, I need to put you in a film. I need to, or just at least who you, you both are. And then when I was showing showing you both 
Professor Miles, I'm like, yeah, this will be my my reference point. I won't show you Magic Mike because that'll be one anyway. <laughs> um, and Magnolia, we'll get to that later. Um, but please watch <laughs> Professor Marsden. And then halfway through, I'm like, oh, oh. Um, there was so many ideas in Professor Miles and that tie into ours more than I thought. I forgot about the woman leading the censorship board. And then so it was, fa- it was fascinating watching again with you, the both of you and just seeing – but I will say, though, that the second time around, I picked up on a lot more. So the first time I picked yeah. up a lot more on the relationship dynamics and that kind of thing. And then this time I picked up a lot more about the lady and the board and yes. the whole inquiry thing and, and a lot of the specifics around that, which I didn't pick up on before. I mean, you see it, but I didn't. it didn't really register as yeah. much as it did this time. So yeah, I think so having yeah. watched it a second time, I just, like, like most movies, you pick up on things you didn't yeah. necessarily you focus before. on those subplots where yeah. you're like, ah, oh, that's really, yeah. yeah, this is what this means. This is how beneficial it is, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And just to talk a bit more about refused classification, which is our movie that we're going to be making. Mm-hmm. I yeah. love saying that. I it's, know. It's so weird. <laughs> I know. I love, we actually have to make the fucking thing now. <laughs> I'm joking. Like, let's rephrase that. You have to make the fucking thing now. My oh, job's fuck. done, baby. I know. He's he's about to go on holidays when we shoot, by the way. <laughs> uh, it, it is about... Uh, and we've touched on this before, but it is about polyamory. It's about queer life. It's about yeah. complex relationships and how the world sees it uh, through the eyes of censors. Yeah. And I'm I'm so excited to see this story told because we've never seen this story told. No. Even like Marston here. I mean, it's, there's a lot of really positive things about this film. Yes. Um, but I think what we're doing with the story is we're taking – all of the naughty bits yep. and kind of stripping them out yep. and then applying the sensor to them. Yeah. And that's, it, it's hard. It hurts. Yeah. But it's also, I think it's uh-huh. one of those things that everybody should see that. Yeah. yeah I yeah. I was watching Professor Marston going, oh, fuck, I wish our film was nicer. I wish our film was, was this lovely and joyful. Ours is. It's cruel. Yeah, yeah. Ours is a fuck you. Like ours has got more of a fuck you going with it, where it's the censorship board is front and center, and they are the villain in the film. Like they're really not like the, the board itself is the villain. Whereas this, it's it's a subplot. Yeah. And it's mm-hmm. like society is the villain in this film. Like yeah. just the that's a mentality of that era. Ours is of taking that time and the the sensibilities and the, those harmful things, and then putting it now, and then pretty much showing people what showing everyone what they've been missing. Yes. But it's very direct. Yeah, yeah. So, it's very yeah. direct. It's all about that. Well, it's making a short film, but that, that's why it's good to have those 15, 20 minutes really filled up with this is what we've lost yeah. in having a board like this and carrying these sensibilities over to still now where when we watch films, we're being told one point of view, we're being told one mindset, and it's a very um, – What's the way to put it? Like it's narrow, it's, it's a narrow focus. Yeah, yeah it's very yeah. narrow focus. It's stripped yeah. down as yeah. well. Yeah, and exactly. I really love what you just said. The see what you've been missing. I like that's kind of like it's not, but it would be a tagline for our film. Yeah, Let, you know, let's see what you've been missing. Yeah. and that's I'm, I'm really excited about it. And yeah. it's not dark and depressing. It is still no, not at all. it's still not light and all. funny. Uh, but you can be light and funny and. No, but Professor Marsden's one of the loveliest films. Oh, yeah. like, no, I was talking about our film, baby. No, 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 no. that's what I mean. So watching that and then watching it. Yes. Yeah, I'm like, oh, ours is not the loveliest film. It's it's going to be a lot of fun, though. Yes, I promise. absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I'm really I look really forward excited. to it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, me too. Lots of We'll be getting films. into it soon. Yeah, we will. Three yeah. fingers deep. <laughs> why? I've written that in the pre-production notes. We're, a lot of people are quitting. I don't know why. <laughs> do I? So, as a as a, a co-writer, do I get a green room? Uh, oh, 
Because I have demands for my green room. No, as a Bradford, you get a green room because we just have to get that out of the way. You're not going to want to blacklight that green room when I leave it. No, I don't blacklight anywhere you've been. (laughs) (laughs) There's a new screenplay in what we found. It's just all over the wall. I've I've written it in semen. It's pretty much like one of those horror movies where you write on the wall. Yeah. Great. (laughs) Interior green room night. (laughs) Oh. Why does it smell like fish? <laughs> Sorry. I thought it was yeast earlier. Well, I'm sick. <laughs> very, very sick. <laughs> oh, dear. I just want to tell y'all, y'all have hugged me tonight. All y'all. Oh, my. <laughs> well, not since this morning. I hugged you earlier. Damn it. I was hoping for better. Like a dinner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so he, uh, Bradford is the only one getting a trailer. Yes. Um mm. And then it comprises ninety percent of the budget. Pretty much, yeah. yeah. So we've got about eleven dollars for the film. It's going to be very exciting. Thank <laughs> you to everybody who donated. But my trailer's a yacht. <laughs> I only get it for three days, but by God, oh, and also I'm not legally allowed to move it from the dock. But <laughs> it'll be forcibly removed on day four when he just won't leave. Do you know who I am? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, the guy I'm kicking off the yacht. Why? Why does he get a trailer? Trust me. He just needs the goddamn trailer. Also, he's <laughs> writing his next film. <laughs> <sighs> uh, okay, so <laughs> any final thoughts on Refused or on uh, Professor Marston? Uh, my final thoughts are that Refused is going to be an amazing movie, so check it out once it's all made, and obviously and you'll be hearing more about that as it happens. You yes, definitely will. We will, we'll definitely talk about it. We'll definitely talk about all the film festivals that it mm-hmm. gets into. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Very stoked. Yeah. And if you don't watch it, I will be... I will be personally hurt. Yeah. And then as far as Professor Marston and the Wonder Women go, it's a great movie. It's yes. beautiful. It tells a good story. Yes. Um, and it, it gives you a little bit of background as to Wonder Woman, and it might get you interested in learning more. But it's just a beautiful film regardless. So absolutely yeah. find it, watch it. Yeah. Yeah. Tell people to see it. Tell yeah. your friends. Yes. Like that film needs mm-hmm. to have another life. Like it hasn't had that cult following come to yeah. it yet. So yet. Um, I've one. Yes. More, I've got one note yeah. uh, that I forgot to mention. One of my favorite things about the film is it says, even from the opening scene, intelligence and knowledge is a curse. Mm. That to uh. be smart in a time when you're not allowed to question things or you're, well, they encourage you not to to be smart and to question it and to go against the grain is dangerous. And it's like knowledge is because all these people are smart. Everyone in the film is actively very intelligent, which is what makes the film great as well. But that's also to their detriment, even before their relationship as is like, especially with Elizabeth. Yeah. Like I think the strongest character in the film, her being very smart is, and so intelligent is her curse, which is Mm -hmm. unfortunately her curse. That's an interesting point when you consider the beauty comments in the first 10, 15 minutes of the film when they're talking about Olive, because then what we, the the picture you just painted is that for women, because I mean, Marston's intelligence may be a problem for him, but for the women, anything that could potentially give them power or agency becomes a problem. Yes. So for Olive, it's no one can see past her beauty. Yes. For Elizabeth, mm-hmm. no one can see past the brain. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And won't give her the chance to exactly. use that. Yeah. Well, that's interesting. But the even more interesting, I think, on a uh, commentary on that is Elizabeth does the exact same thing that is being done to her, to Olive. Yeah. Very early on when she says, don't fuck my husband. It's the immediately assuming, because Olive is pretty, that she is nothing more than an object to be penetrated. 
Yeah. yeah. This is after Marcin has directly said to Elizabeth, beauty is her curse. Yeah. No one yeah. can see past it. Yeah. yeah. And she's already said, exactly. She's already said that. And it is, it's really depressing to see that. Um, I noticed that the first time we watched it and then also this time, and I'm glad you brought it up. Yeah. Uh, is to see that that just sucks. Do you know what really sucks? Is We're our own worst enemy. That that hasn't changed an awful lot. No. no. no Women in power really. are still either beautiful or smart. Yeah. They're not always both, or they're not treated as both. Not treated as both. Um, and if they're both, they're dangerous. Yes. Well, I find that that's, that's actually really scary. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. And, and it, you know, it, I think it also adds to a bit of that, you know, you see a beautiful woman and you're like, oh, you know, she's too pretty for makeup. Why does she put all that makeup on? Yeah. But if she's not wearing makeup, it's like, you know, you'd be prettier if you had makeup on. I'm like, fuck you. You can't fucking win. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and one last comment, one more, because uh, someone brought this up when the film did come out. Someone had commented that, of course, a woman directed this, and thank God a woman directed this, because Professor Marsden is not a that like his um the way that he's framed and his masculinity is never toxic or yeah. brutish, right? Like. Luke Evans never has to fight to look like a man in the film. And I, and someone said, if a male directed this, I, they believe that would, would have been one of the problems where, you know, he's got a man, he's got two women in love with him. And like what that does to a male ego, it's nothing about that. He's framed as supportive and someone who's just learning as, as he goes along. And I, I found that really fascinating because a lot of films don't do that. And there's actually a, a number, don't. sorry to interrupt there, no, but no, no, there's no. a number of shots where you actually see him kind of standing back and watching them. Yes. And, and it is like, he's learning, like he's really yeah. taking it in. Yeah. Well, he's loving both of them through their love for one another. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's compersion. Yeah. Like that you see that, mm. like you see that compersion mm. through really all of them at yeah. some point in the film. But I think he's the one that shows it the most. Mm-hmm. Uh, because I think a lot of the times you see the two women together and him just sort of, for lack of a better phrase, taking it in. Learning. Yeah. It's learning. Everything he's doing is learning. And when it, that's what pretty much the film's about in a lot of, so many ways, um, that making Wonder Woman is just the things he's learned from those women. Mm -hmm. And he's really just taking notes from women who more than inspired him that really taught him everything he knows. Isn't it a bit more than that though? Like he, he takes all of that. Yes. hundred percent agree. Yeah, yeah. But then gives Wonder Woman the agency and power that the women he loves cannot experience. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And he does it through yeah. Wonder Absolutely. Woman's own natural talents. Yes. Yeah. Including yeah. her beauty. And on top of it, that's another reason why the censorship scenes are amazing. And seeing a woman saying, those certain things because it's a woman with freedom and agency and power. Mm. You know, it is yeah. interesting. You think about that because like, let's, and I know we're, we're trying to wrap up and we never will, no. uh, <laughs> but wonder woman, what are her powers? Like really she's, I mean, she, yes, yeah, she's an Amazon and she's got these great, skills of fighting but that's all work she put in the effort and time and training she's got the lasso and the bracelets but she also resolves conflicts with compassion yeah she's not like xena where it's like all brute and force it it, she resolves i I like (laughs) xena i'm just saying but it's different because she's she does it by she uses compassion to resolve the conflicts yeah Yeah. but like you look at her compared to the the men like Mm -hmm. 
uh, Superman was from a distant planet. And of course he can fly here and he has laser beam eyes and all that bullshit. Um, you know, you look at, uh, the, the green lantern has the ring, the Batman is rich. Like his superpower is I'm rich. <laughs> Lucky prick. <laughs> I know, right? Like, but you look at all these superheroes and they all have something that makes them like all the X-Men have mutations. Yes. The, uh, the fantastic four have mutations. Yeah. Uh, and Iron Man ha- is also rich. Um, you know, so like you look at all these guys and then you have Wonder Woman who's, power is the fact that she trained for years and years and years oh and she has magic bracelets like and she yeah. can make people tell the truth with a lasso yeah so she has to be good with a lasso <laughs> again training yeah exactly she like if you gave any of the four of us fuckers a lasso could we i don't even think i could lasso this no. microphone in front of me if i'm gonna get- suck on my ankle and start telling you all the truth and then we're in trouble <laughs> <laughs> Magnolia is a perfect film. Magnolia is a perfect film. Wow, this lasso thing doesn't work. Chris has this lasso over his head. It's like, Chris, do you know what you're doing? Absolutely. And then suddenly, I have no idea what I'm doing. I have no idea what I'm doing. Uh oh, SpaghettiO. (laughs) But it is, you know, Wonder Bloke coming 2024. (laughs) Wonder Bloke. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of want to write that now. Uh, Oh, no. But yeah. yeah. But again, it shows how women have to fight so much more than the men yes. do to be well, able to. Now, well, there's a proof that, that yeah. a woman still has to work yeah. 10 times harder yeah. than the guy does. But then you also think about it. Let's and then she got stripped of her powers, didn't she? She did. For a time, she got yeah. stripped of her powers. Yes. Yeah. 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 So, yeah. yeah. All she had was a magic jet then. <laughs> it's invisible. BFD. She is also rich now. Like, oh, is that all you've got? <laughs> <laughs> Wonder Woman won the Wonder Lottery. You really <laughs> Or she's poor, and then she gets all of her tools from Walmart. Oh, God. Oh, oh, oh wow. You know, it's very lucky that Wonder Woman married Rich. Oh, God. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's just depressing. My my partner always summarizes Wonder Woman based on the comics in the film is Wonder Woman's in the on this island. She calls it Lesbos because, of course, she did. Everything's going great, and then a man just rocks up with his plane his extension and just ruins everything. And yeah. I'm like, yeah, yeah, yeah. He pretty, penetrated their island. Pretty much. Yeah. And uh, she was like, I wish they just kicked him off Lesbos and then had a great time. They should have killed like, him. Yeah, well. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. You know. Anyway. There's, and look, I'm just going to add one extra thing in there. Please. They, they, I don't think they actually use the word lesbian in the film. Uh, they did in did that they? quote. Uh, yeah. Because yeah. Otherwise, the so um, they, I know homosexuality was mentioned like no. in the first few minutes. Oh, was it? Okay, in the panel because like there's your Wonder Woman character uh, features bondage, oh. homosexuality. Yep. Um, uh, they mentioned suffering Sappho then. Yeah, yes. Sappho, but not the word lesbian. They did yeah. when they said lesbianism is seen uh, as an illness. There you go. Cool. Yeah, that's yeah. that's the Good. only time I think I heard the word lesbian, but it was mm. after the suffering Sappho. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Also, my. F- one last thing. No, no, no. no, no. Wrap up. I think no, the name fine. of this podcast yeah. will, should be called <laughs> Professor Marston and the Wonder Woman. One last thing. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> but wait, there's more. <laughs> there's more. Um, no, just, I, I just wanted to comment how I love how the scenes between Olive and Elizabeth are handled. And I think they're the strongest of the film. And that's, yeah, mm. that was it. it it's believable. It, yeah. It's all believable and it's all really sweet and romantic and. Yeah. If anything, Professor Marston's the weakest character out of the three, which makes it... I don't think I agree with that. Okay. I think they're all really well-written and very... Yeah. No, I think so too. But like out of the three, I think yeah. I, th- their scenes feel the strongest and there's like the most in terms of emotional connection. 
between Olive and Elizabeth, um, especially in your favourite scene where you see their body language. Yes. Oh, my God. It's so Marston has yeah. made out to be very likable. Yes. Mm-hmm. There's very, very little to dislike about that character in the yeah. film. Mm-hmm. Um, so the real grit, the real three dimensions come in with Elizabeth and Olive. That's what yeah, I yeah. – That's oh, what yeah. I – yeah. Like well, from – I think so, yeah. I mean, Marston's a fully formed character. It yeah. just – I feel like all the drama was really with yeah. the, the women. Which goes back to what I was saying about they said it's a, it makes sense that a woman directed this because yeah. he is presented – it's yeah. positive masculinity is the term that they use yeah. where it's like a man oh, who is supportive. Yeah. yeah. Who's, is not – and that's what positive masculinity is where – Oftentimes when you see a man fighting to look and be like how society perceives a man to be, they're often quite awful and just sexist and on the sly sexist and just things that are unattractive qualities, whereas this, it's positive. It's positive and it's just support. It's just endless support. Especially the way Marsden interacts with his children. We only get two or three interactions in the film. But every interaction between him and his kids is very positive, yeah. very loving, yeah. never yeah. very involved. Ever. It's yeah. very sweet. Yeah. yeah, There's never a lot in terms of brute to that character, uh-uh. which is a big plus, I think. And Agreed. Mm. Yeah, he is the anti-Gaston. Pretty much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, he's anti-Gastro. I get it. <laughs> I need to watch Beauty and the Beast of the New. No, one. you really don't. No. Uh, cool. I, I really like Emma Watson, but that's a different movie. Anyway, yeah. uh, no, don't watch that. <laughs> oh dear. So let's wrap this up. Yeah. Um, Chris, yes. Bless your heart. I love you. Where can people find you? Did are you like? Where can people find Sydney. your art? And okay, just, <laughs> is that it? Um, so that's www.sydney.com. <laughs> <Such bunnings. laughs> I'm in the bondage room out back. <laughs> but if it's also our, a break room, so it's a bit awkward at times. Excuse that. <laughs> it's only a break room when you say the safe word. Yeah. No. Uh, um, where, like, if people want to follow yeah. uh, your movies and the, uh, the amazing art that you're creating, where Thank can you. they find that? Um, at the moment, it's just Twitter and Instagram. You can just like, search up my name, Chris Elena, E L E N A, Instagram, Twitter, and the Audio Guide Facebook page at the moment is giving uh, updates on where that film is traveling to, where it will be available at the end of this year and start of early next, and also a little bits of um, update on Refuse will be on the Audio Guide page as well. So look up Audio Guide on Facebook and then just my name, Chris Eleanor, on Twitter and Instagram. Definitely, if you have an opportunity to find Audio Guide, watch it. It's a short watch, but my God, it goes so fast. And as soon as it's done, you'll be like, oh, I need to watch this again. Thank you. Uh, it's, yeah, it's fucking gold. Uh, Leo, we love you. So mm-hmm. glad you're here. Mm-hmm. You too. I mean, I'm not talking about me personally. I'm just saying that the audience loves you. Uh, I love you too. <laughs> so there was somebody out there who wanted you on a loop saying, God damn. So just for just for that listener, can can you give us a goddamn? God damn. That's my new ringtone. <laughs> God damn. What's my mom calling? <laughs> Truth. Uh Angela, any final thoughts before I run through the uh, the media? You mean before Angela and her Wonderman sign off? This is right. Angela uh-huh. and her oh, Wonderman. My Wonderman. <laughs> this film is way less interesting. It's like three men and a baby. Don't do it. <laughs> oh. no, Wait, does that make me the baby? No. <laughs> oh, what do you mean? Like, oh. no. That's a <laughs> rap round. That's how it gets fucking worse. The more you press you can also find me in the bin <laughs> the fucking bin bin fucking I don't sound like that like Liam Gallagher he's fighting the bin chickens for dinner he is, yeah. he is. regular Tuesday night sorry uh, 
go watch Professor Marsden and the Wonder Women. Definitely let us know what you think. We would love to know. Uh, and if there's other movies where you see polyamory or queer life, uh, let us know. We'd love to see more positive things like this mm-hmm. and the four of us sit down and watch movies mm-hmm. and chat to them, uh, chat, chat, chat to you all about them. Uh, if you liked the, this podcast, let us know and we'll do more like this. If you didn't, well, let us know that too. We still might do more like this. I can do kinky <laughs> film reviews, everyone. I, I can broaden the range. Also, I recommend everyone look up the MPAA and also yes. look up on YouTube, This Film Is Not Yet Rated. It's a documentary about the MPAA. It's 90 minutes. Watch it. It'll still make you angry. Yeah, it'll it's, make you so angry. Terrifying. I'm so it's sorry. Terrifying. But it's a good uh, precursor to our film. Yes. 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 Refused classification. And you feel a lot better after our film, so it'll be good. You'll see more of it if you follow us on our Insta, on our Twitter, and on Facebook. We are at By the Bad Podcast. We are also uh, going to be talking about it on Patreon and and some of the things that we have going on there, which I'm not yet uh, able to talk about, but have probably already talked about it in past podcasts. Whatever, it's weird. Uh, so, welcome to my life. Uh, <laughs> email us theatomsoflove at gmail dot com and find us on our website www.bythebye.com.au dot where you can ask us questions through there or sign up for our uh, newsletter, mm-hmm. which we really don't send out very often. And if people want sex toys, and if people want sex toys, mm-hmm. number one, go to adamandeve.com do some searching, find the toy you want, and then throw it in your basket. And then when you're checking out, use the key code by the buy, and you will get 50% off an item. You will get uh, six videos on demand that you can like, you know, touch yourself and think about Angela and I, mm. maybe Chris and Leo, four of us. I don't know. It, it, it can get weird. That's all right. Uh, you can make your own Angela and her Wonder Men film. That's right. That's right. <laughs> but if you do, let's include the gentleman. Absolutely. Because yeah. he's a Wonder Man as well. Yeah. Uh, but yes, go to adamy.com. You get free shipping with By the By. So, and also they'll throw a bunch of gifts in the box for you. I mean, it's like me. I throw things in boxes. Uh, or if you're into the more geeky, kooky stuff, go to geekysextoys.com. Uh, they are an amazing Australian-based company. And, uh, yeah, use Buy the Buy when you check out, and you'll also get some gifties, uh, like discounts and mm-hmm. whatnot. Uh, yeah, any other things that I'm supposed to talk about? I think you covered it. Yeah. And did. Awesome. Thank you, gentlemen, and thank you, Angela. And thank you. And we'll see you on the flippity-flop. <laughs> Bad name! Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm. 